you know how much I would pay to see Deion Sanders bring in the Colorado staffer if it was an inside job? Oh yeah, and replay yeah, yeah. the like the the money mid scene for paid it full. What's the matter, B? You ain't eating good. You ain't got money in your pocket. You ain't got a chain on your neck. <laughs> you don't got that gold plated whistle I gave you last week. Um, yeah, I I want to know more. What you mean you broke? You ain't get money out here. <laughs> Back week nine. Week nine. I could never left. SP and Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast. How do your Saturdays feel? Um, this was a this is my first first Saturday back at the home base after a one week hiatus. So I always equate like college football. Kind of like a, a club or the local hangout spot that you just go to on weekends. Um, yeah, you kind of you, you never know what you're gonna get, but you kind of know what you're gonna get. And this was one of those weekends where you know it was builds going in as uh, a lighter slate or you know fewer top matchups. Um, <laughs> But you know, we 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 I feel like we always talk about this with college football. You can never whatever you predict or whatever you think it is going into a weekend. Um, you know, it's it's never it almost is never chalk. There's never like just a chalk weekend where everyone who's favored to win wins. Uh, all the storylines you think are going to play out play out. Like that's that's a really rare weekend. There's almost always at least a couple of those games or moments where. You know, it just makes college football the great, you know, the great sport that it is, which is on any given weekend, anyone more or less could get beat. And you just never know when that that upset or that stupid loss, depending on what team you're talking about, is coming. But you could just never sleep on a weekend. You can never think, you know, any weekend's not going to offer that that wild finish. And we definitely got a couple of those this weekend. So. It always, even if it's a lighter weekend, I feel like it always delivers. Yeah, well said. Every time you think you can sleep on a Saturday, you always get some surprises. So it's one of the things we love about the sport and why we do this. So we'll get into all the games, I'm sure. I had some overall thoughts. We are we're recording this on Monday the 30th. So the first college football playoff official rankings drop tomorrow uh, around this time, tomorrow night. I think before the whatever the college football game on Tuesday is, they'll probably do their little pre-show before that. Um, so we're going to try and predict. We're going to either try and predict or we're going to lay out what we think it should be so we could see how far off we are from the uh, from the committee. But um, let's start with overall thoughts before we get before we get to the weekend because or before we get to specific games, because this is a fun weekend, Halloween weekend. Um, so my prism for this entire weekend was judging the crowds based on who's who's bringing the Halloween costumes, the Halloween vibes, the Halloween feels, the student sections out there. Um, 
just want to shout out a couple of NC State. I saw some a Karate Kid, Texas A&M. There was a man in a full Yeti mask. We'll get to that weird Texas A&M yell, midnight yell that they did in broad daylight, cold open on ESPN. Unbelievably weird. I'm, I'm sure people who don't even know what that is had no idea what they were watching. I even kind of know about the midnight yell, and it was really difficult to watch. Uh Kansas State, I saw all right, the Kansas game. Um, I saw Star Trek, a bunch of Star Trek characters, Notre Dame. They had the little bench press contest uh, where you like bench press the fans up in the air, kind of like cheerleader style. Saw Scooby-Doo bench pressing a Reptar from Rugrats. I saw Where's Waldo. So a lot of Halloween vibes in the crowd. Love that. Just made the, the weekend a little extra wacky. Um, Did you do anything yourself? I did not. I I did. I did not. So didn't didn't really do any dress up. We were, uh, you know, Gabby and I we were talking about should we have done something, but we were like, you know what? We're we we, we yeah, like and we don't. This is the this is our last Halloween. Maybe maybe the year first year of of the kid under age one. You don't have to do anything. But like this is our last year where a, a child doesn't dictate Halloween for us. So let's go ahead and just, you know, take it off. Um, so, yeah, we we didn't do anything other than uh, talk about potential costume ideas. But, it's, you know, fun to watch, fun to fun to see, see some of the costumes from either people I know or just on TV. So that was cool. Always, always cool to watch from before. Do you guys do anything? Do you, do you get dressed up couple, uh, or family? Yeah, you got full family. So you could do a little bit more uh, commitment that we can. Yeah, we didn't uh, align our daughter to it, but um, my wife was Flo. Nice. Progressive, progressive ads. I, yep. was, uh, I was Cliff Paul. Nice. Uh, that's good. That's good. And, you know, at New Orleans, I feel like you better. Uh, last time I was, like, in costume was in New, was, was in New Orleans, just, like, kind of Halloween or uh, costume party style. I feel like it's it's a little bit more fun down there. Not that, obviously, New York isn't, but. Yeah, I, I could see maybe being a little more inspired in that culture, but now it's with up. Those are good ones. We, we we got a full year to to contemplate on something yeah, for next year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, fun. Always fun to see that. Um, so next thought, I I didn't see the game, saw the box scores, and then I did actually watch because Pac-12 offers you a Pac-12 you know sixty minute game recap that you can watch on uh, many uh, a streaming service for free just can't actually watch the games as it happens but um this is more i guess for nfl kind of scouting and yeah i will we'll maybe have the heisman conversation again though i think we kind of made our stance clear but i don't know what anyone else needs to see from caleb williams like i know they they had some tougher weeks and he had some not uh what he normally looks like moments in games particularly that notre dame game but um, I mean, Cal. I I we I, I knew Cal's offense was going to test USC, so not surprised at all that that was the case. Um, but I mean, Caleb Williams has to put up fifty points, three hundred yards, throw the ball fifty-five plus times, just for them to remain competitive in the rest of their games for the rest of the season. And so, from like an NFL scouting standpoint. Um, we're gonna have the Drake May conversation and we're gonna have the you know what team is first overall selection right now. Cardinals are on pace for it. 
But I just don't know what else you need to see if I'm a scout to know that's the number one overall pick. That's a generational talent. Get him in a good situation, and you you, know, you don't have to worry about quarterback for a decade plus. That's that's my stance. I, I don't know what else people need to see from him. Saturday was the first time I've seen Caleb Williams look bored. Yeah. He was kind of out there. Not that, not that he was performing badly. Obviously, had a great game. But just kind of going through the motions, not really sweating, not really yelling or, you know, breaking the sweat even, just kind of going through it. Like, he kind of just, I guess, at this point knows that he's going to have to bail out the defense, and he's accepted it. But, yeah, he just seemed like he was out there just kind of, kind of going with the flow. Yeah, I think it's that. I think he knows, like, this is what I'm going to have to do. And, uh, I mean – I don't want to say it's it's boring, but it's just like when the job, usually when you put up 50 points and you throw four touchdowns, like we're going to celebrate and have a party on the sideline because, you know, that was you, you did above and beyond, balled out, offense had a day. But for them, it's like that's that's their job. That's their nine to five. That's their existence. If he doesn't show up and put up 50 points and 300 yards, they don't have a shot. So it's not like we can't even he can't even celebrate it. It's almost like just a sigh of relief once he's done doing what he does because there is like we said there's no upside uh to him doing well anymore now there's no he's done so well that there is no where for him to go other than down right there was he was coming into the season favorite to repeat as Heisman trophy winner anything less than that no matter how good he was is quote unquote a, a a backslide so it was almost like i feel like he's in this weird place where it's just like yeah here's another 400 yard three touchdown performance for you guys i don't know what you want from me but you know this this is what i gotta do for my team to have a chance we're playing washington next week i'm gonna have to try to do the same thing again we play oregon after that i'm gonna have to try to do the same thing again so like i just i don't know i'm i'm just here to say it's no matter what happens the rest of the season, I I don't need to see anything else from him. My mind has been made up on this, and uh, I hope just that everyone else could be as reasonable, what I feel like is, is a reasonable stance to take there. All right, next. Wide receiver talk. Um, it's a great class. Wide receivers are having a run in college football and the NFL, just the, the receiver position becoming more valuable. The pass, like passing games increasing and becoming more sophisticated across football has led to the receivers really having to learn and adapt to each next level of the game a lot faster. And college, I think, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., it it's it is hard to argue that he is not the best. And I definitely think he is. He'll probably be a top three at minimum pick. But as far as wide receiver college awards. I want Keon Coleman to win the Bolitnikoff so bad just because every week, and I know Marvin Harrison does it as well, but every week I watch Keon Coleman do something that's just like, oh, you're playing with children. Like you're just playing with with that that the the catch in the back of the end zone he had where he just let the Wake Forest DB think he was playing excellent defense, only to just kind of lightly shove him out of the way and make the catch one-handed very nonchalantly. That's what you usually see five-star high school recruits do. Uh, 
to the non-college football players. He does that on a regular basis. He's such an important part to that FSU offense. I want him to win the Bolitnikov. He's not not going to be a Heisman candidate, but he's in that conversation for best non-quarterback in the country for sure. Yeah, agreed. Another player we haven't talked about, I think at all, at this point, despite the fact that we've talked about Jalen Daniels every Jalen Jaden Daniels every week, is Malik Neighbors. Mm-hmm. Malik Neighbors actually leads uh, FBS in receiving yards. Uh, a different LSU receiver leads the country in touchdowns. Uh, but he's someone who's also just been lighting it up week after week, and I think is somewhat overshadowed by LSU's, you know, meandering record at times, p- play against average teams. Um, but he's really been tearing it up too. Yeah, he deserves some love. Yeah, I think we mentioned him when we were probably when we were talking. Yeah, you know, best receivers in the country because I know we have Marvin Harrison. I remember you mentioned Malik. There's just a lot of really good receivers. Um, a name that I mentioned at the beginning of the season, just because it was a great name, Smoke Harris, popped up again this weekend because he's the only receiver, I don't know if it was NCAA history, but certainly now with X amount of receiving yards, return yards, and returning touchdowns. It's like an all all around. So he's not a physical specimen kind of like those other types of receivers, but he is super fast. So just all different types of receivers, the big body physical ones, your kind of possession, chain-moving ones. Like, there's just a lot of really good receivers in the game. Um, it just as the proliferation of passing offenses comes through football, more and more, you know, teams with, like you said, Malik Neighbors being top in the you know, nation for receiving yards, but not first on his team and touchdowns kind of speaks to that, where, like, even with on your own team, there are... Yeah, Washington has this two just two NFL receivers on either side of the quarterback just bombing it down the field. Um, so yeah, a lot of you know Xavier Worthy for Texas is another one. Just a lot of really good uh guys that'll end up playing on Sunday that you see just across the nation on a lot of these teams. So just shout out to the as a former receiver. I see you uh I see you receivers. UCLA, Colorado, post game. Colorado got all their jewelry taken out the locker room, which, like, that that happened. That's some high school stuff. Like, I I I can't say I've heard this on a college level, but this is a very common thing at many a high school or AAU tournament or the whole certain locker rooms. You didn't leave certain stuff in. There was definitely the whole. Well, we know when no one's going to be in here because they're out on the field playing. Let me get easy access up in the locker room, run these bags. So there's definitely, I was either in high school, I was pretty sure, maybe not middle school. I think it was high school. I think it was Virginia, um, where we had heard stories about this the year before, the, the, the class before had gone down to the school and had got phones, laptops, stuff just like, got a bunch of their stuff, ran out of their bags. And we remembered, and next time we went down there, we either didn't bring anything or that you thought, like, was valuable, or there was one, like, the coaches had, like, one locker room or one, or one lock, or locker room that had a lock or one locker with a lock on it. But um, 
at a college level, at a D1 level, with so many assistants, equipment people, security cameras, security, like just with so many measures in place, um, you should not have to worry about as an opposing team any of your belongings in the locker room being misplaced, stolen, any of that. So UCLA is launching an investigation. It's clearly an inside job. Don't know if they're going to find – I don't see how there's not security cameras that could like very easily kind of get to the bottom of this. But um, it's 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 hatred on all levels. And I, I, I don't want to say like you do the Shador and you flash your jewelry and you do all that, that you're inviting this, but you are. I'm not saying that makes it deserved. But we have to know that you are enticing a stupid uh, group of people to, to try and do something like this. They shouldn't be able to, but you're enticing it. Yeah, I mean, the people responsible for the theft of the people who did it, and certainly UCLA, well, we don't know, but if UCLA create an environment to make that happen, then they should be held accountable as well. But yeah, this... I agree. Like this, this just shouldn't happen. Like people just need to be able to be dismissed in their field of competition. Not have to worry about whether stuff's gonna be there or not. And like you said, on this level, when you have a staff of dozens of people, like that, that just shouldn't happen. So hopefully they they solve this quickly. But unfortunate news on that front. Yeah, I and I don't. I mean, if it if it is UCLA, like UCLA bears some responsibility in terms of you know their location, their facilities. Um, but again, like there, I just feel like there's gotta be cameras. There's gotta be security footage of some sort. Um, and it, I mean, it's either somebody from Colorado who's pulling the ultimate inside job, uh, because no one's going to suspect somebody from within the own team, uh, or, you know, or they, they coordinated with, with somebody like from the area. Like, I don't know. It's either that or somebody with access to, you know, who knows the UCLA facilities or whatever. But this is back-to-back weeks of how how did this, the, the Michigan State thing was a different level of like, what are y'all doing and how are y'all letting these things happen? Um, the Michigan State, Hitler on the screen thing, their investigation netted the answer of, it was part of a trivia question and that visual was like part of the answer, which is worse than if you would have said someone hacked into our shit and like did that. The fact that they're like, oh yeah, no, it was like, you just didn't understand the context of why Hitler was up there. Like that was a terrible investigation and an answer there. Um, so UCLA, I, 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 I don't know, unless it's somebody from Colorado pulled the inside job, I don't see how... UCLA is not going to bear some responsibility here. But yeah, this is just, it's messed up. Shouldn't happen. You should be able to know that your stuff is safe when you're on the road or at home, just in general, like just kind of the safety of bringing your stuff into the locker room. You you want to believe that you don't have to worry about anything, but you know. Hopefully you know how much I would pay to see Deion Sanders bring in the Colorado staffer if it wasn't inside job? Oh yeah. And replay yeah, yeah. the like the, the money mid scene for paid it full. What's the matter, B? You ain't eating good. You ain't got money in your pocket. You ain't got a chain on your neck. <laughs> you don't got that gold-plated whistle I gave you last week. Um, yeah, I I want to know more. What you mean you broke? You ain't getting money out here? I want to know more. Uh, I, I kind of hope it is that now. But 
Also, Dion, I don't know if this is before or after he learned about the robbery, but um, you know, he came out and finally said uh, what I've been saying the past, I don't know, six, seven weeks. I get called a hater when I say it, but he comes out and says it. Um, and everyone's like, well, yeah. He's like, how do, how do you change things? So we need new linemen. Uh, that's, yeah, that's all I've, I've been saying that since week one when they played TCU and looked really tiny. That was apparent that when they played Nebraska, it looked really small. Uh, they need new linemen. I, when I said that they're Stanford in different jerseys, y'all see what Stanford's out here do. Like Stanford's giving Washington a run for their money. And like Stanford's not some bum ass squad. So again, it's just, yeah, they're not there yet. They need more linemen. They need more, a lot than just that. They might get it. Um, but my whole big question has been, is Dion going to be there long enough for any of that? Because this, this show moves quickly and like, it's probably a three-year process at, at Colorado. I don't know if he's going to get them three years, but I just don't. You know, as Adrian was saying last week on The Athletic that he's happy there. He doesn't plan on going anywhere. And that's always true until he wants to go somewhere else. So yeah. We'll see. I'm pretty sure he was happy. Actually, matter of fact, God told him to be at Jackson State until God told him now go to Colorado. So I don't doubt it. He probably is happy there right now for the time being. But if things change, different jobs open up, uh, his son graduates, both sons leave. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, you would have to really, really love Colorado to in three years. Cause I, you know, other opportunities will be there. You'd really have to love Colorado to just stay at Colorado. So we'll see if you really like Colorado football. I, I hope he stays for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a fan of this Dion show, like I am, I don't, I have no allegiance and I don't care where he goes or where it goes. So wherever it is i will be here for it all right that's all i got i want to go to the 12 team i want to talk playoff i want to talk committee before we get into the games and stuff i think so right now we have five undefeated teams all right the point of a committee to me is to have some human element to this thing and not just look at records and do the transitive property and, but actually like have a brain and have some intuition and have watched some things and use more than just kind of the, the, the numbers and the raw data, which was what the BCS did. And which is why we all thought we needed to move on from it. So what I want to do is have a discussion about I know it's only four teams this year. I want to just talk a top 12 because I think once you get past 12, there's really kind of splitting hairs. Um first I want to talk about let's let's first I want to try and guess the because I think they do a four and then the two outside looking in. So Let's guess what the committee is going to do for their four and then two outside look agains. And then I kind of want to talk about, I put together just what, what I think a 12 team playoff could look like this year. And I just want to talk that through with you, but let's first, let's, let's first, I want to first talk about the the top slot. I think it's between Georgia and Michigan. I don't think Madison. 
It, it should be. <laughs> and they're, they're getting legislation. Involved. I watched them play this weekend. I'm a believer. James Madison they're, is good. Oh, yeah. No, I've been saying. And they're getting legislation involved uh, on James Madison's front because I just learned this week. I thought I knew all the rules. They can't even play for the Sun Belt, which is the dumbest thing in the world. They're in Free that conference. James Madison. They're in the conference. So, like, I, all right. The other rule that doesn't make any sense is one thing. But if you're in a conference – and you win all the games against all the teams in your conference, you're the champion of that conference. I don't care what they're going to say there is allowed and isn't allowed, but I digress. Litigation is getting involved. They're trying to allow Virginia, I mean, JMU, to be considered for playoff postseason consideration this year. Both sides of the aisle are going to come together over that. We can get bipartisan agreement and nothing else if it isn't for free JMU. So we're going to get that done. But in the meantime, I'm assuming I don't think the committee is spicy enough, for lack of a better term, to put Michigan at number one. I think they are going to go Georgia one and Michigan at two. And then I think we can have a conversation about the rest of those slots. But I think the one and two are the ones that are kind of not really uh, suspenseful reveal. I think that's Georgia and Michigan right now. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. That could be what they end up deciding. Who's like... and I know this is somewhat <laughs> contradictory because I've been pushing Michigan for weeks now. I actually think Michigan is outside the top four. Like hmm. of all the rest of these teams that I would pick, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, um, they all have signature wins against top teams. Mm-hmm. And Michigan doesn't. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about purely resume. Like I, it's hard for me to justify putting Michigan over Washington or over Florida State. I just don't understand how you do it, despite the fact that they're passing the eye test. All right. Well, that I mean, I yeah, we talked last week. I was like that. If you're going on the opposite side of Michigan, you just look at their opponents and easily paint the picture of okay, and like that's nice. We'll see. They are only going to get two tests. Um, I would love to see if the committee goes that direction. I'm, I think they're more likely because I want to talk about the committee first and then what we'll do, because I think we can make our, our own kind of whatever, but I think I'm more likely to think that the, I I think it's more likely that the committee puts Michigan number one overall, that it is that they leave them out of the four because of resume stuff. Not that there isn't a case to be made. Um, but I, think they will go Georgia one. I think they will then go Michigan two. Um, three and four are interesting. I th- I think they will go Florida State third. I mean, the interesting thing to me is both the AP and the coaches poll have Ohio State and Florida State rounded out the top four in different orders, which has Washington on the outside looking in. But... Washington has the best win of all five of those teams. Washington has the best win. If if recency bias plays any factor, the last two Washington games are making, while they're winning them, are making people just question like, what's going on? Like, So I'll speak for myself in that. I'm not sure that Oregon's not better than Washington. I 
because what you have to do, what well, I guess not what you have to do. What I hope the committee does is look, and if you're doing this and it's a play, A, they might play each other again. Let's start there. If they do, it's a mutual field. Because what I'm arguing, I guess, by revealing that I would put Oregon above Washington using the human test. Now, if they went out, you just, you know, that we kind of have established a precedent here of, you know, the, 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 you, you won out and you beat them. But let's say you're talking about yeah, you, just, you literally can't say that. Yeah. You can't but say if they, that they're better when they lost. Yeah, if 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 they like if the season ended today, correct. But yeah. since there will be more games and they might play again, if they split the series, Oregon lost a three point game on the road at Washington. Let's say Oregon beats Washington by three touchdowns on a mutual field. Okay. Now when we're having the playoff discussion. Yeah, I can now say, look, they played twice. Oregon lost close on the road and then beat them handedly in on a mutual field. So that would be that that's the better team. So in my and when it happens too, and like that the committee's already shown that they consider that. Yeah, like timing. Um, is, if you beat a team you have like momentum towards the end of the year and are, are doing all that, then yeah, they, they reward teams that are building towards something versus teams that are fading to close yeah, the year the, the timing of it so i so to 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 just throw it out i think the committee will go georgia one michigan two florida state three um ohio state four washington five oregon six i think that i think they will put the it might the only if or the only like if he initial about that for me is the ohio state florida state switch I'm trying to think they might, in my head, I give Ohio State, you are awarded no points for beating Michigan State, and we are all dumber for having watched that game, to quote Billy Madison. But I I don't give them anything for beating Penn State. I don't respect Penn State. I don't think, like, that game to me isn't like, oh, yeah, Ohio State. That game to me is Penn State is their own worst enemy. They will never beat teams of a certain caliber. Uh, that it That just is what it is. Um, it was. I was shocked to watch them throw the ball. They almost lost to Indiana this week, so they had to resort to the deep shot. But I'm sure James Franklin had to go throw up in his mouth somewhere on the sideline watching that. Um, but I, I, I think they will prioritize the. It's possible the Penn State win will get more respect than Florida State beating a good LSU team, a good Duke team, um, and I think they might go. Ohio State three, Florida State four, but I think the the five six I think is Washington and Oregon are the clear on the outside looking in so right now. Washington's going to be a slot above them because they beat them. Oregon, I think the way they dominated Utah kind of shows like they deserve to be of the other one loss teams in my book. They deserve to be the best. We'll talk about some of these other teams, but are you in? Do you agree in terms of what the committee will do? Georgia, Michigan, one, two, kind of lock that in. You can flip flop Ohio State, Florida State at that three, four, and then Washington, Oregon at that five, six. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. That's what I think they're going to do. Yeah. I don't think so, I personally agree, but I, okay. I, I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. So what I would do. <clears throat> or what you would do we could do that conversation next um i have a full 12 team playoff that i can read off and then we can kind of talk about our maybe 
top six. But I just want to go on record. If I were in charge of the playoffs, we got three automatic bids. Air Force is in at the 12 slot. They keep winning. That's what Penn State needs. Penn State needs an offense yep. like Air Force. Yep. Run the triple option. And better jerseys. But you see what Air Force does, Penn State. Now, granted, they don't have to play Ohio State and Michigan every year. But if they did, they would at least have something a little bit, I don't want to say gimmicky, but at least something to try to even the playing field a little bit. They wouldn't just go up against Penn State and Michigan State trying to out Penn State and Michigan State, Penn State, I mean, out Ohio State and Michigan Ohio State and Michigan, which is what Penn State does. And they don't even really try it because they refuse to throw it deep. So, But that's my point. Like, I think back when all these teams were actually elite, like back in the day, back in the day being like 15 years ago, I feel like Georgia Tech would be one of Miami, Florida State, or Clemson every year. Yeah, uh, the triple option will get them. So I got Air Force automatic bid. You're undefeated. And you're undefeated in any conference. You're in my playoff. You play who's in front of you. You beat them. You get it. You get a shot in my playoff. On that note, the 11 seed is Liberty. They just keep doing what they're doing. Um, they they had their own day of the week for a second. They had like three straight Tuesday games. They played Saturday this week. Didn't matter. Got the victory. Uh, and then JMU, of course, Kings of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my three auto bids. They're just undefeated in their conferences play who's in front of them, beat who's in front of them, explosive offenses, all in different ways. Like Liberty loves chucking it deep. JMU's pretty balanced. Uh, uh, Air Force with the triple option, but they'll they'll throw a pass on you every now and again. Those three are automatically in. Now we could talk about the rest of these teams, starting with um, – I'm on the fence with this team – uh, Oklahoma, they were they they threw they flirted with now, that who loss. Wants the, the power five. I know they have a loss to an SEC team, but how are you feeling about Tulane? Uh I want to keep my eye on them because they they did lose, but they they their their backup quarterback was playing when they lost. Mm-hmm. I may I remember I made a note of that. Um 21 right now. I want to let me pull the schedule up because I'm like, are they gonna? I feel like, yeah, they don't really have. And they lost. They they didn't get blown out. No, no, no. They yeah, they lost to a good good old Miss team with a backup quarterback. My the the issue would be their remaining four games. East Carolina is not good. Tulsa's not good. FAU and UTSA. I don't know if they've won a game. So they just they don't really have anything left to bolster the resume um <laughs> yeah that i mean that one loss hate to hold them hate to knock them for that one loss but i mean we got we got i gotta get air force liberty and jmu yeah, in here I, they they gotta have it and then when i'm talking about can't count other... this is also the, the same or a similar team that knocked off usc last year yeah i feel like they need a chance yeah, you know, like because JMU is forbidden from for being too good or whatever, uh, maybe Tulane could take their spot since JMU litigation will not allow them. Yeah, just ineligible on the grounds of being too good too fast. So, um, yeah, uh, Tulane maybe could take their slot. But I, let's let's my next one's Oklahoma, and I, I they flirted with the loss last week to UCF. 
Um, I talked about my fear with them was that they're actually a defensive team and not an offensive team. And if their defense doesn't hold up or can't keep them in these games, if, if they're off, if they, if they get scored on, like UCF did, and like we said, Kansas is definitely liable to do, could they score enough? Can they can they win shootouts? Is that offense, is Dylan Gabriel and that offense consistent enough? And I mean, I don't know. I'm, I just lost a lot of faith in them because defensively now that's two straight weeks where the strength of your team, you you face a spread offense with a dual threat quarterback and it's like, you're not a good defense anymore. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to that team that played Texas to the defense that was, you know, good all up until that week. I don't know. But um, uh, part of me wants to, I'm looking at it now, like, on a mutual field, Old Miss, Oklahoma. I maybe I would pick Old Miss. I don't know. Like I and that's who I was thinking for this this nine spot it was either Old Miss or Oklahoma. And part of me, as I talk it through right now, maybe leans Old Miss. I'm just not happy with Oklahoma. Shook shook my confidence. Number eight, I got Ohio State. I am using my brain here. I uh, I realized that they are undefeated. I'm just going to read off these teams that I put in front of them, and I want to ask you if they met on a mutual field, who do you think would be the favorite? Ohio State, Alabama, mutual field, who's the favorite? Probably Ohio State. Okay. I I think I would pick Alabama. I, I am not – I remain unimpressed by Ohio State, but they, they will have plenty of opportunity. Uh, Ohio State, Texas, mutual field, let's assume – Quinn Ewers is playing in this game because that obviously it's it's kind of two different Texas teams. A very impressive win with the backup quarterback against BYU. Their defense stepped up. Um, but I think we can admit Texas with Quinn Ewers versus Texas without. Very different team. So assuming Quinn Ewers plays, Texas, Ohio State, mutual field, who do you take there? How many teams again? Texas with Quinn Ewers, Ohio State, Mutual Field. Ooh. Probably Texas. Yeah, me too. These are so these are all the teams I'm reading to you now are the teams I have in front of Ohio State at my playoffs, so Alabama, Texas. So you liked Ohio State over Bama, you like Texas over Ohio State, uh, Oregon at the at the five spot. I think Oregon's better. I know they've lost once. I think Oregon is a better team more complete team than than Ohio State. I think if they were to meet on a mutual field, I like I like Oregon. Yeah, Oregon's been playing really, really well. Um since that loss to the Washington, they've been doing nothing but leveling up. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm not inclined to pick against them the yeah. rest of the way. And then from there it's the four, you know, four other undefeated teams to to again, <laughs> from my money, I think Washington, Florida State, Michigan, and Georgia are better undefeateds than Ohio State. And I even think, like again, uh, uh, Oregon, Texas, Bama were split on, but I think we're kind of both in agreement. Oregon and Texas, with the one loss, I, I still think if those teams had met Ohio State, mutual site, I liked <laughs> those other teams. So that's just my kind of playoff ranking, um, just using kind of – and projecting forward, right? I, I'm also – I'm I'm thinking about the Ohio State Michigan game 
I think Ohio State loses. So I think we're talking about a one-loss Ohio State team, which at that point, one-loss Ohio State team, one-loss Texas, one-loss Bama, one-loss maybe Oregon. Maybe yeah, and that's assuming Bama can get past LSU, which I'm not. Yeah, I mean that's of. that's that's their biggest remaining. Like I I said that when they lost to Texas, I said that it's still all right there in front of them. LSU, they beat LSU. They come out of the West. They play Georgia for the SEC championship. Like it's all there for them. Uh, but this is the yeah, big week for them. A lot of other teams. Um, but yeah, I mean that's, that's the type of quarterback that historically gives Nick yeah, Saban. He's fits. the exact he's the exact type. Um, but I yeah, I and I mean I've enjoyed, like I said earlier about this Alabama team. These are the types of Alabama teams that you know Nick Saban has to not that he doesn't always, but like Scott, he's got to really go into his coaching bag. You gotta find those uh you know, those small wins in the margins. The the it's it's less about we have 11 NFL players and more about, you know, how, what, what the X's and O's, what the game plan, what the calls are for the week. So that that's, yeah. I mean, not to look too far ahead, but that's definitely the game of the week, I think. Um, but I, I just, that's, I, I looked, I think those teams, I think Ole Miss is kind of right there on the cusp. Yeah, keep an eye on Ole Miss, the seven but, and one, but I think they have a rough yeah. into the season though. Yeah, they they like that's the thing. Like they have tests coming up. Um Texas A&M, then Georgia. LSU, yeah, LSU can fight their way into this. Missouri is still a one loss team that if they want to earn some respect, they'll have the opportunity to do so. They got to be Georgia. Um, yeah, Oregon State. I thought had a great opportunity, but then they went and wet the bed this weekend. Um, you know, like Arizona's yeah, been Arizona's been knocking on the door though. Like I, I, it, it was an unfortunate loss. I don't want to say bad. They didn't play great, but Arizona's been knocking on the door. They were gonna catch somebody. Um, Oregon State is. I'm not surprised it was them. It's more of a defensive team. So just looking at like kind of ill, ill timed loss. Yeah, it's just the timing of it because like they were set up kind of well to <clears> maybe be that one loss other Pac-12 team. But now when you, you kind of look at it, like, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, the Pac-12 more or less is going to cannibalize itself mostly, right? Utah's now done, USC earlier. Though, again, I said there is the USC could, I'm not saying will, but they get to play both Oregon and Washington. If they, they like, somebody if, they, if they beat Washington, lose to Oregon, but then, like, you know, Oregon could play Washington again. So, like, the Pac-12 is only going to be one, but there is a scenario where they cannibalize themselves so much that every team has two losses and even the Pac-12 champ doesn't make the playoffs. So that scenario yeah. still exists. So it's a fun, fun conference to watch just because that coming down the stretch is going to be something. But the rest of the teams, like, again, Missouri will have their opportunity. You'll, you'll get a Georgia game. Um, I think Tennessee is quietly – recovered to have what will be a respectful season because their defense is is pretty good um same thing with like ucla you mentioned tulane with that one loss they'll probably end with the one um but yeah i mean i just i don't think and i don't respect penn state so i don't think past those teams like i don't i don't think there's really anyone else to kind of consider i think coming into this weekend there was like the outside shots for this weekend that I thought got spoiled. I thought Oregon State had a you know outside shot of still making something happen. 
Utah, if they could have remained a one-loss Pac-12, I thought might have had that outside shot. Um, but yeah, now now I just kind of look at it like like we said, LSU over Bama could be, you know, that's that's a game like for both teams. LSU could maybe find their way into the top ten if they end the season right, and you know Bama could easily get a top kind of five type of finish depending on what happens in front of them and and what they do. Yeah, I think they'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens if Georgia were to lose to anybody because you would we could potentially also have a one or two loss SEC champ too. Yeah. And would that keep any of those teams out the playoffs? So I mean the test for Georgia is this next three weeks. It's Missouri Old Miss Tennessee right in a row. Um, they seem to be getting better as like at the right time, right? I, even without Brock Bowers, I not they're not better, but what it's what it has done is more players have to step up. The offense is more evenly distributed now. So as opposed to one guy's getting 30% of the offense, you now have to account for three, four, or five different receivers. And um, so not that they are better, but it's just you have to be uh, more spread as a defense and what you need to stop as opposed to stop Rock Bowers. Now it's stop the whole you know, four wide, five wide, any equal opportunity offense sometimes can be tougher to stop. But this is the, yeah, like Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee. If I had to say which game will be the toughest test, probably Ole Miss. Um, I'm just not sure. Like, Missouri, I just don't think they're there yet. Like, I remember the 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 way Missouri kind of looked against Kentucky was those are two contemporaries duking it out. And if you will remember what Georgia did to Kentucky the week after, you know, they looked a little sleepy against Auburn and people started to question them, that was a statement everyone relax game um i think this is the first you know they they got up for obviously florida um i don't know if there's going to be maybe a little bit of an emotional come down but uh i just don't think missouri has the firepower there offensively to make them sweat enough but i think Ole miss does so that would be the one game that i'm looking at tennessee again offensively i don't think they have it defensively maybe they keep it close but um and then the Georgia Tech game, I'm just calling it now. It's going to be weird because it's a rivalry game. It's the last game of the year. They're coming off that three-game stretch. I could see it just being a weirdly played, not smooth, closer than you think for three-quarters game, and then Georgia wins. But um, I expect them to get to, you know, Atlanta undefeated. I don't, you know, we'll see who comes out of the West. I I picked Bama but we'll see this weekend is big tell there but yeah it's it's coming down to where like you know all these games this is like the semi-final kind of playoff elimination like each weekend is with each loss for certain teams it's making the picture clear and clear on what we're gonna get um but I'll tell you Ohio uh now Ohio State Florida State for sure has the easiest path like yeah. I don't know, I don't know what the odds say on that, but Florida State for sure is the one team that I'm looking at and say if 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 they 
don't win or if they don't get to the playoff, it's because they messed it up because no one left on their schedule should beat them, right? Not saying that they can't lose, but that would probably mean self-inflicted kind of mistakes, turnover type of game just because Pitt, the way Miami's been playing, I know it's a rivalry game, so throw the record's out, but, I mean, I, you, you really should win that Florida State. A random North Alabama appearance right. in, the middle, in the middle of November and then Florida to end, the November to end, to end okay. the season. So a get healthy week for all the starters and then Florida to end the season. So a at couple of rivalry games, yeah, at the Swamp, a couple of rivalry games, a real game. Like, you know, you don't want to take any of that for granted, but just in terms of the path, right? Like, because Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. Washington and Oregon might have to play again. Oregon still has USC, so does Washington. Bama with LSU, and then maybe a Georgia. Texas might have to play Oklahoma or, you know, a, a Big 12 champ again. So just like all the other teams that are around the playoff, it, it, they still have kind of these big tests, whereas Florida State, you'll be tested, but it's all it's all on them, right? It's right there for them. Yeah, North Alabama, like, what is the United Athletic Conference? <laughs> is that where South Alabama resides? I want to know. I want to know how much they're making for this because Millions. because to show up in the like Thanksgiving week more or less or the week before, at the end of your season to just get beat down um way to make that money I, you know gotta gotta do what you gotta do that's the um, last game too that's not how you want to end the season oh uh, yeah I mean that's that's not the recruiting um the recruiting ploy that coaches usually like to run out at the end there for like the sign the the not signing day but leading up to signing period. You don't want to say, come watch us get our brakes blown off by Florida State. <laughs> but uh, all right, on that note, let's quickly, let me quickly hit the Kings of Florida, then let's touch some of these games. Kings of Florida, Kings of Virginia. Uh, FSU, like we talked about, 8-0. FAMU, 7-1. They are the second, uh, still second best uh, HBCU behind North Carolina Central, who is uh, undefeated. They've been running things. So those two are at the top there. Uh, Miami six and two. They uh, credit to Miami for not blowing that game this weekend against UVA. UVA played really well. I, I love that UVA kind of has found just their. Uh, they've they've kind of hopped on this emotional roller coaster. Kind of found their. I don't want to say their swagger. Let's not get crazy. But they they have found a confidence. They have, they have um, a confidence. They have, yeah, they found a confidence where they're playing they're, like they can beat some of these exactly. Teams now. They're going into games where they are not going to just lose by halftime. They're going to put up a fight. They're going to be in these games. They're going to make you earn it. I love to see it. Love what Tony Elliott's doing. So um but yeah Miami got the win six and two Florida five and three uh FAU four and four South Florida four and four FIU four and five Central Florida which I thought was going to be one of the better teams in the state they've had tough times obviously John Rice Plumley was out for plenty of the season but they're three and five um not good not good for the first year in the Big 12 and uh Bethune-Cookman bringing up the rear one and seven Virginia as we mentioned free JMU eight and oh Liberty 8-0. Virginia State is either 7-0, a bye. I don't think they lost. So they're 7-0 or 8-0. Uh, 
I, I needed to update that number there. William and Mary five and three, Richmond six and three. Hampton got the win on homecoming. Shout out HU family was down there this weekend. Uh, they're four and four. ODU four and three. VMI three and five. Virginia Tech working their way back up. They're four and four, so they should be a little bit higher. Sorry, they should be above ODU and VMI. Uh, and then the rear Norfolk at two and six. Virginia at two and six. Keep both tabs going. Got one name for you for uh, our all first team all name. It's a South Carolina linebacker. His name is Tonka Hemingway. Get it, Tonka. Tonka Hemingway. So he is uh, a truck and a prolific writer. And a poet. (laughs) Yeah. So shout out to you, Tonka Hemingway. Uh, all right, let's hit. I'm gonna hit some of these games. The weeknight window we had Liberty playing Western Kentucky. This was their last Tuesday game. I think they're playing Saturday this week. Actually, I spoke too soon because they were Tuesday. Um, West uh, Liberty, it, every game they have a turnover, they must because every time I watch them, the Joker mask is in full effect. The water show or the water shower that they do when you get the turnover mask. Um, so every time, and they'll always be like on a second screen or I'll, if I'll just, no matter how much attention I'm paying, whether I'm locked all the way in or just barely glancing, there's always a turnover and a joker mask. So I see why they're undefeated. They, they turn every team over. They play a lot, apparently. Um, who was that? I think it was Ole Miss to have the, uh, basketball goal. Yeah. They're playing basketball. Yeah. And that's not even a turnover thing. Cause Jackson Dart was doing stuff. So it's not even for turnovers. It's just for like big plays or score. And they just go to the sideline and do windmills on a on a little basketball hoop. Um, I'm here for it. Just keep escalating the sideline antics, please. Just keep going more and more ridiculous. Um also Tuesday, let's see, Louisiana Tech. Um, Louisiana Tech was dressed like Delaware State. On Tuesday, I don't know if you saw that they had the light blue joints, the light blue jerseys, but the red helmets, and those colors just don't like. They always have the red helmets, but usually with the the, the blue, like kind of just the the navy blue or the royal blues, light blue with red just looks weird. They they looked like a team that was about to get their ass kicked in a in a music montage against a team <laughs> coached by like Matthew McConaughey or somebody in a Disney movie. Like these. They didn't look like a real team. They look straight out of central casting. Um, so just jer- the, 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 the jerseys were dope. The helmets didn't match. Either you got to get the different jerseys, uh, different helmets for those jerseys or or don't wear those jerseys. Um, so that was week. What was that? That was Tuesday, Thursday combinations on or, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. LIU played Central Connecticut. I only mentioned that because LIU as the youngest uh, player in college football, their quarterback. I think he just turned 18. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. And he is, right. It is it is worth noting, if you have not seen him play, he has the most throwing unique throwing motion that you have mm-hmm. ever seen. Uh, it looks like somebody who is throwing a football that is way too large for them. It looks like how you teach a three-year-old to throw like an nfl size ball, but it is effective. It gets there. That's he's accurate. It's accurate. <laughs> he's like throwing he, dimes. <laughs> the, the coaches, there's a whole, I read a whole article about how the coaches like were very tempted to change stuff, 
but they were like, I mean, it gets out on time. It's there. He anticipates. It's the those with touch. You could throw with strength. Somehow it just, it just get looks weird. Down at the yeah, line. like the 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 yeah the release from where it comes from. It's not getting batted down. So it's just it it looks not. It shouldn't work, but it does. But it works. And so I love that they're just like, yeah, let it rock. Also, we're Long Island University. Uh, what are what are our standards here exactly? Like, why why not let it rock? Um, I do love their jersey. Uh they're they're the sharks. So I love that mascot because it's just unique. Um yes, there are sharks in the Long Island sound, uh, you know, technically. Um but I just like that they're like, we're not going to be you know, the Bulldogs or the Hawks. Like, there's so many of those. There ain't no Sharks. So I love that they're the Long Island Sharks. So shout out to them. They won, too. So that was the second victory of the year. Uh, that same night, we have Virginia Tech enter Sandman on a Thursday. I don't think it gets better than that. The Thursday night enter Sandman is the best enter Sandman. Um, that kind of used to be the Virginia Tech slot. They used to play, like, the ACC used to be that ESPN Thursday night game back when it was kind of special and there was only one, it would usually be, you'd get a lot of Virginia Tech occasionally. I guess maybe that was yeah, when they Louisville. were the Big East too. Louisville would play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it used to be like the Big East, ACC, like those kind of teams used to just like the Rutgers games. I remember that big Rutgers game that they yeah, played Rutgers, on a Thursday. Virginia. So those were always the schools I had the Thursday. So I love to see it. Just very nostalgic there. Um as I mentioned, North Carolina Central was on. They beat South Carolina State, which was my grandfather's alma mater. So I was I was rooting for the Bulldogs there, but they got blown out. NC Central is really good. Best HBC in the country, SBCU in the country. Um, and then the real battle for Georgia, because we know UGA is good, but it was Georgia State versus Georgia Southern, damn it. And Georgia Southern did not come to play around. Uh, they, they won handedly they do a light show and fireworks to start the fourth quarter not after the game not after the third quarter ended the lights went out all the kids pulled their phones out and then fireworks went off and they did like a the you know the xenon light show with the phones with the fireworks and for a second i was like wait did i did i just hallucinate and miss an entire quarter of football because i thought it was (laughs) over and then it's just like nope that's just how they start the fourth quarter. So I love these Sunbelt weeknight group of five schools that just like, they're like, we need traditions. We need things. We're going to be on TV. We need to establish our brand. And a lot of them, the brand is just like fireworks, launch fireworks at whenever, not just for touchdowns, for quarter changes at halftime, just at whenever the opportune moment strikes, fireworks, baby. We're, we're trying to get the brand popping and it's working. So shout out to both Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Not mad. Not mad at all. Yeah. All right, let's get to the weekend. I'm going to speed through these. Florida State, Wake Forest. My only note was how long could Wake Forest keep it within 21 points? The answer was not very long. Um, They made it like – I think they they, – they made it a game. What was that one possession they got? I think Florida State was up. I should have wrote it down. I think they were up like either 17 it was a, or it was the second 13. Quarter. Wake Forest scored that one, and it was like that's as yep. close as it's going to be, and then that's as close as it was. Of course, um, they put up, I think, three touchdowns in a row, and then yeah, halftime was, it was 34-7, and that yep, was it. That was it. So it was it was close, and then so I wanted to just see like how close, and then that was the answer for that. Uh, in the four slot, 
during noon, HBCU game of the week, Howard versus Delaware State. We had the Showtime marching band, just uh, Howard hit him with the boy's mind into some salt and pepper, push it into some Missy Elliott, get your freak on. And then they uh, they walked right up to Delaware State's band via, uh, you know, drumline. And when they were done, finished, gave him a hoop right in front of their band, drumline, like literally right in front of them, then marched off. I was like, all right, Delaware State band, you've been called out. Time to answer. what they do? Straight out of drumline, in the stone, earth, wind, and fire, just like Dr. Lee told them. And hit him with a little flight of the bumblebee. That was the only thing. The only thing that was missing was them just starting flight of the bumblebee. But they, they, it was, it was pretty, pretty out of uh drumline, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how many bands are still doing the old school walk over to the other band and finish playing right in front of them. I know that used to be like commonplace. We'll see, uh, you know, the more they do the HBCU ESPN Plus broadcast, they're leaving the halftime show on, so they know what's up. So we're getting to see more of these things. Uh, West Virginia at Central Florida. This is basically like the battle for that spot in the Big 12. And by that spot, I just mean whatever spot these two teams end up occupying because it ain't going to be championship spot. It's just going to be like that. Spot that gets you to that, yeah, that spot that gets you to that slightly better bowl game, so that when we're watching December, it makes you think like, oh, look, West Virginia or Central Florida or Oklahoma State, like, yeah, not a bad season. So that, like, the winner of this game is gonna get that spot. So that West Virginia got the dub, so they're gonna be the hey, not a bad season because they're in the Alamo Bowl come December. Um, But that was the only really reason that I took note of that game. And, you know, Halloween crowd was pretty, pretty lit there. Uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, no Jalen Daniels to be found. Bean said no. Missed all the problem. fun. Yeah, no problem, Bean said. Last year, well, this was when the whole, my whole, like, obsession with Jalen Daniels missing the big game started was the Oklahoma game last year where this Bean character showed up. And he is, uh, he is, Fun to watch play if you're he's not something. Uh, if you're not a Kansas fan, he's entertaining. If you're a Kansas fan, like one of my buddies is, he's that is not fun to watch because he just has you holding your breath with every drop back. But um he's nothing if not entertaining. You got the got the victory. He takes would, he uh, takes so many chances. So many risks. So many unnecessary chances. Loves throwing the ball just, just into the crowd. Player. Yeah. Loves to find the crowd to throw the ball into. Loves to find the window that's not open to see if he could fit it in there. Frankly, their defense won them the game. Like the the Kansas defense made enough plays and forced enough turnovers that they won the game because Bean was trying to give it away. If it was up to yeah, Bean, absolutely. y'all would have not had that victory. So shout out to the Kansas defense and special teams for uh, sealing the sealing the deal because Bean was really trying to give it away there at every time. those players were like, you hope he doesn't complete these bombs because when he does, he thinks he can do it again. Yeah, it gives him the, it gives him the, the juice and the confidence of, oh, I got this. Even, even more risk next time is the way to go. <laughs> But my they, show, I got this. They got, they got let me, the victory. Let me spin this. Let me spin this pill. <laughs> they got the victory. Do I make the big bucks, baby. <laughs> Biggest Jalen Daniels, who 
biggest victory in Kansas football history. I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't – I were we alive the last time they beat Oklahoma? Like, honestly. They had they – beat, they beat Texas. Yeah, I but that was they, before Texas Strong was bad. Like, that was when Texas wasn't – No, I'm not Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong lost to Kansas. Yeah, I, that was when – I was like, that was when Texas was going through the whole they're not really Texas anymore phase, which – from Kansas's standpoint, I'm sure they're not trying to hear that. You beat Texas, you beat Texas. They don't care what state of the program Texas was in. But um, it, all the outside was that, of that, um, that a keep to leave team, yeah, that went to BCS Bowl. But that team, but I don't remember them having any win that year. That was just like monumental. So much as they were, they were like twelve and one or something. Twelve like that. and so one. No one else was good enough. Yeah, I. I I don't know that they did. I don't know that they did. Yeah, like, I just remember they kind of, and I feel like that was when it was Pac-12, I mean, Big 12, North and South, and all the good teams were in the South. I think all they had to do was beat Missouri, and they were good. It was something, like, I'm just remembering, I'm not hating on that Kansas team. I just remember, like, that team kind of, because that was the year that UConn was also good at football, and I just remember that was the weirdest, most bizarre year in the history of kind of that BCS era. But um, yeah, so that was great win for Kansas. We knew that they had that firepower. It's just a matter of are they ever going to put put one together? And the answer they is need, no. They need beef, the, uh, answer, the answer All is that no. Potential just they, they did not. Up there. It needed yeah. a catalyst. It needed a spark. They did not. But the defense said, "We got it. Don't worry." So good for them. Um, <laughs> my one not football sport of the week. We had El Clasico, Barcelona, Real Madrid, two biggest teams in Spain. Uh, Jude Bellingham, top three player in the world. This kid's 19 years old. Uh, he's got world football by the balls right now. Um, he scored both goals. They came down from a 1-0 deficit. He scored both goals. He just won the award today, actually, for the youngest, for the best player under 21. Real Madrid's going to be a serious, serious problem to beat in the Champions League knockout rounds once they get there. Um, and again, Jude Bellingham, he's 19 years old, so for context, non-soccer people out there, best player ever still playing is Messi. Best player in the world is Kylian Mbappe. Best goal scorer is Erlen Harlan, but quickly becoming the best player kind of in that next one, and he's so young, is, is Jude Bellingham. So just a name to look out for. If you want to drop that around your soccer friends, tell them Jude Bellingham is that dude. He's from Britain. He's from England, so he's also uh, – the, the pride of a country that desperately needs uh, a young star to identify with because they haven't had that in a while. So shout out to Jude Bellingham. And, and he's black, I would like to point out. We're kind of we're kind of dominating soccer uh, as well. Erin Harlan's white. Love to see it. But, uh, you know, Mbappe, brother, Jude, brother, a lot of these other top players right now, brother men. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. I'm sure uh, someone is secretly plotting, plotting to change the rules. Well, so we especially, in, especially, anymore. especially in England, whenever like, cause they, they have such a, yeah, their relationship with soccer, but then they're also their relationship with just racism and colonialism in general is very conflicting with the fact that mostly their best players are these people from African continents who have British and French citizenship. And so there's just, there's, there's this whole weird relationship there so whenever i see like whenever the best and the youngest especially whenever i see our like you know, young black 
dudes from France or you know the African countries that that come over. Like I'm just gonna root for them even more so because I know like that European racism is mixed with the the toxicity of their soccer culture. It's awful. Yeah. Like it's we think it's bad over here. It's it's even worse over there. So yeah, I find myself you know pulling even harder for for those types of uh, players. Um, Miami, UVA, notoriously whack vibes at Hard Rock. We talked about it. UVA almost. Um, Miami, Mario Cristobal is not a good coach. I'm sorry you guys paid him all that money and can't fire him. Um, he can recruit he, though. He recruits well. That's a, he recruits, but. You know, so does Jimbo. Uh, Duke at Louisville, that's no longer just a basketball game, although the score resembled that of a blowout lacrosse game because it was 23 to nothing. Duke didn't score no points. Uh, Riley Leonard maybe should have sat this one out. Still looks like the dropbacks I was seeing on the sideline after the Florida State game. Still uh, still high knee on the clearly, sideline. Clearly not healthy. Jogging in clearly, place. Clearly rushed back out there. I know their backup option isn't great, obviously, but um, you know, Riley Leonard couldn't move out there. Like you, the backup can't be so bad that an immobile guy is a better option. So that was just like sad to watch. Um, I don't make too many predictions, but when I do, I I, I tend to get them fairly accurately. I called the Boise State recovery game. I said they would beat Wyoming. I was tired of this Boise State not winning stuff. That's just not my Boise State. Um, also, if it wasn't for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which is just classic Florida jerseys, classic Georgia jerseys, the color pop game of the week would have been Boise at Wyoming. Those orange jerseys on the blue turf. Uh, Wyoming's brown kind of ruins it, though. If Wyoming would have just went all white, I would have picked this as the color pop. But anytime you got brown in your jersey, it just doesn't look good. It's just a bad look. I think you also texted me the um, was it Colorado State that an interesting contrast with the snow. Yeah, Colorado State decided this was the weekend to pull out jerseys no one's ever seen before. They looked like a like a, an NFL Europe team, uh, but they were white in the snow. Uh, they looked like Air Force at first, but Air Force was wearing their blues, so that helped. But it was it was weird. It was they, they it was it was the weirdest like alternate jersey ever and they picked the gotta snow, try something the against snowiest the Air Force game. Attack. yeah they tried like maybe if they can't see the defenders in the box they won't know when to pitch it and when to keep it but um yeah so that was wild uh there was a swag what does the swag surf when you're in wyoming so it's just all wyoming people what does the swag surf look like because there's very little swag in the surf that i saw at the boise state wyoming game when that song came on there was some surfing. I'm not sure how much swag there was in the Boise State, Wyoming student sections combined. Only um, so much you can learn from YouTube. I'll just say that. Yeah, they were surfing. I don't know about the swag. Uh, the Boise State, I, I figured out why they've been struggling so much. They've been doing this two quarterback system, which I'm here for if you don't have a good enough quarterback, like week to week, you give different people a try. But they were doing like the you get three plays of this drive and then send the other guy in for two plays in the middle of the drive and then pull them out, which nothing frustrates me more than that. If you're not even going to let your quarterback get rhythm within a drive, let alone within a game, you're never going, your offense is never going to look good. So Boise state's been doing that all year. No wonder they've struggled. Uh, just pick a guy 
I, I watched that whole game. No one is better than the other one. Just pick a guy and let the guy be the guy, but stop jerking him back and forth like that. It clearly isn't working. I was reading about uh, Dalvin Cook this weekend and his request for either to get play more playing time and get traded. And he was like, yo, there's only so much I can do with limited touches. Like I use my early touches to get a sense of how the defense is playing, what's going on. And so, and y'all don't let me get a rhythm. I can't be effective. Yeah. Oh, so I, mean, I see that with quarterbacks too. The quarterback one more. So yeah. And like running backs, there is some of that to be said with running backs different, but yeah, the quarterback even more so it's like, if I can't get rhythm and you know, timing of the passing game and calling, even breaking the huddle, calling the plays, like identifying defenses that like that all is timing and repetition. So you got to just pick one and, and, okay, next week if he plays bad, you want to go with the next guy, that's fine. But commit for a game at, at least is all I would say. Um, next game, Oregon, at least Utah. Get, like series at a time. Like, yeah, I mean, the... that's a, at the minimal series. I don't even like switching series, but minimally a series. I'm talking about in the middle of a series. So second down, it was one quarterback. <laughs> Third down, here comes another guy. First down, another quarterback. Third down, like they're within series. That's like – that's insane for for from a receiving standpoint it sucks from an alignment standpoint it sucks just from every every position on the field you have to adjust to the slight differences in how your quarterback operates and doing that within drives is a recipe for disaster so what does he say you're not talking about change of pace quarterback you're not talking no, about no 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 reason Taysom hill you're talking yeah, no. about two players about with similar skill sets two players just getting who, thrown out there who are equally not effective at either of the things it would appear so just pick one like not one wasn't coming in and running like crazy and the other ones don't like no they're both not that great at either of the things so just pick one that's my that's my rant. End of rant. Uh, Oregon at Utah was a great scene in Salt Lake. It looked cool. The red was cool. Their stadium looks great. The backdrop of the mountains is beautiful. And then they got beat down. Um, Oregon in the black pants. Went over Oregon. I feel like puts the black the any black on means Oregon's not playing around. When they come out with the white or the greens or the like, the brighter the colors, the more they're they're. Yeah, you know, susceptible to getting beat. When they put the black on, they're not playing around. I just think Legarrette. You Blunt, rarely <laughs> see Utah not be competitive, and they were not competitive. Not at yeah, not at all. Which is what led me to the whole. I got Oregon ahead of uh, you know some of these other teams because it's like I know what that Utah defense does, and Oregon ran right up and through them without any resistance. So that was one of the more impressive wins this year. Um, and then three o'clock, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. No, no better tailgate in the world. Um, no one really gave Florida a shot. Understandably, they got up seven early, seven nothing early, and I think that was probably the only time that you really could have convinced anybody. Yeah, Florida's going to do this because um, after that, it was kind of over. Um, the field being shitty because the Jaguars play there, like. The Jaguars ruining things for other people while not even playing is just so Jaguar. Very, very on brand. <laughs> very Jaguar to ruin the other team. Like, because one of the Florida, Florida's one of their better defenders got injured in warmups. Once it just was a very normal warmup routine, planting his knee, knee got caught, like turf, click uh, got caught in the turf, knee buckled a little bit. He tried to play, but he's clearly hobbled. I don't know if he finished the game, but he's one of their better players. And just watching, 
the shitty Jaguars field ruin another Florida team is, like you said, very on brand, even though the Jaguars are good this season. Don't don't be fooled. They're still the Jaguars. Um, one note I wanted to make. The, the WLNY broadcast that does the HBCU game of the week for me here in New York, uh, they do something that every broadcast used to do for college sports, and I appreciate it and kind of wish it would come back. Uh, they highlight the student athlete of the week. And I feel like this was a thing. ESPN used to do this all the time. ABC, like all the majors used to do it. There would always be a segment where they would highlight one of the starters. It was usually a senior, an upperclassman, who they would show his statistical accomplishments on the field. But then they would also talk about his accomplishments or his GPA or his you know, grades off the field. And they would just highlight which, you know, as a young kid aspiring to play college sports and as a former collegiate athlete, and like you watch, and it's just, I loved reminding people that not only, play are school you, too. not only are you watching people who are, you know, way more athletic and top of the, you know, athleticism field of the sport that they play, they're also better than you at school, right? Like they're, because this whole narrative of yes and i love the joke we don't come to play school we don't do i didn't come here to play school because for like a really small percentage of people that are almost guaranteed to go pro sure Mm -hmm. the other 97 percent of us that are not going pro have the exact same workload as every other student and then play sports and, and much less flexibility. Yeah. So much I just let's say so as far as your schedule. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's so underrated. I, I love that they highlighted that because I, I remember as a kid, ESPN used to do that. It used to be like sometimes it would be the best player on the field, also really good at school, but it was just like highlight, you know, these are still students. And I, you know, I know NIL and I know Transfer Portal and I know it feels closer to amateur athletics as it ever has. But it was just a nice reminder. I love that they did it for the HBCUs. I wish that they would do it for all the schools. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice touch. That's all. Tennessee at Kentucky, the blue out at night looks really cool. Tennessee wasn't trying to hear any of it though. Um, I feel like that's a game that in the past years, Kentucky has managed to kind of like sneak up or beat them. Part of this rise of Kentucky has been beating. Yeah, they beat Florida. They've beaten Tennessee. Well, way back in the day, they beat Georgia that one time. Um, so this was, this was the Tennessee, not, not this time game, which that's good to see because their offense has been questionable. So it's good that their defense can win these games for them. Colorado, UCLA, really bad game. Um, I don't have much to say other than what Dion said. Colorado needs better linemen. They need better players in general. Um, UCLA's defense is pretty good and don't rob their stuff. Um, Coastal Carolina versus Marshall Grayson McCall I think he's finally fallen back in love with school again we said he had just done too much school because he couldn't just he just looked burned out he didn't look like the Grayson McCall we know seems to have found his groove Coastal's back in the groove he's found his love for the free meal swipes and dollar beers again so Grayson McCall is back and uh, JMU ODU Great, great colors, purple and the light blue. You said you watched that one. I think that was your first full JMU experience, yes? It was, and it did not disappoint. Really fun, yeah, really fun team. Um, McLeod at QB, just dual threat, composed. Yeah, just really, really, really fun team. So 
free JMU. Let's get lit- all the litigation. Let's get it involved. Whatever needs to happen, let's make it happen. Um, UNC did the UNC thing um, against Georgia Tech, which is why I said they did the UNC thing a week too early. Like by they were, we all knew they're going to lose to Georgia Tech. I think they've lost the last thirteen games in Atlanta or something crazy like that. So like that loss is always coming. They did it a week early with the UVA loss, so now no one cared about the Georgia Tech loss. But we all knew it was coming. They just did it a week too early. Late night window, easy. The Hawaii, San Jose State. The Hawaii, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you have like a national responsibility for all the gamblers out there to compete and keep games close and at the very least score points. You can't lose 28 to nothing to San Jose State. We we need to be able to bet overs or plus 14 or whatever it is. Like that is Hawaii's lot in life playing at midnight on the East Coast. They are the chase team for all East Coast gamblers. Uh, they are really letting us down. Timmy Chang, I hope you turn that thing around. New Mexico beat Nevada uh, for their – no, Nevada beat New Mexico for their big second win of the season. Uh, UNLV and Fresno played a fun one. Uh, UNLV had the game-tying touchdown. A kid dropped it, really feel for him. Uh, so Mikey Keens and them boys survive another one. Uh, and Arizona got Oregon State. I'm not- upset. Not too surprised. Arizona was going to get somebody, but it was a bad, bad time for Oregon State to lose. I, I felt like they could have been one of those sneaky, you know, little outside shot teams, but not anymore. Uh, game of the day for me, either JMU versus ODU, which was a really good game, or Memphis, who was up 31-7 to on North Texas. North Texas came back, tied it up, and then with 50 seconds left, or, I'm sorry, tied it up with 50 seconds left or went ahead with 50 seconds left, so came back down 28 and then lost with 10 seconds left. So Memphis got the win there. Um, either that or JMU. Those are my two favorite games. Um, didn't even really have any performances of the day. Could probably give it to Keon Coleman every week at this point for what he's been doing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's incredible. <laughs> but uh, previewing next week, game of the week, LSU versus Alabama. Lot of uh lot of reasons for that one. The winner of that is probably your SEC West representative. So we'll take on likely Georgia in the championship. My sleeper game of the week. I talked about this about a month ago. It is less interesting now because South Carolina is trash, but Jacksonville State is rolling into town randomly. And um I, if if people in South Carolina don't know, they're probably thinking this was a good get right game. At least we'll get this win. You know, we might get closer to bowl eligibility, which there are teams. There's enough teams that are not going to be bowl eligible that JMU might have to get in there. So, ha ha. But um, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for that. But Jacksonville State, I think it's just going to embarrass South Carolina. Like South Carolina is already having a rough go at things. Jacksonville State's going to come in and people are going to be like, who is this? This is Jacksonville State, but not Jacksonville, Florida. What is this team? So, Sunbelt coming in to ruin things. And then my environment game, easy. Bedlam. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Even off the the loss. Um, Bedlam is always Bedlam. I thought that this was the game that you had to look out for, Oklahoma, uh, because you never sleep on Oklahoma State. But it's in Oklahoma State. Um, that unnecessarily dangerously close sideline wall, brick wall, just right near the <laughs> sideline and near the end zone. 
It's the only thing I think about when I think about Oklahoma State. But that game, the vibe there is always insane. Uh, a lot of orange, in-state rivalry. Uh, that should be a fun one, 3.30 this weekend. Uh, and that's my that's, – that's what I that's what I got. We covered pretty much everything. I Heisman talk, I'll save it because I saw a graphic that said JJ McCarthy is the favorite to win the Heisman. And I don't even have the energy to engage in those conversations. Why? Yeah, I don't For have the, I don't have the energy to engage. Like can we just say that Michigan is the number 1 team? Do we have to then somehow transitively make JJ McCarthy the lead Heisman candidate? But that's what I saw. Odds like a Vegas odds makers, he is the favorite. So I don't have the energy for that. We'll address this next week. <laughs> um, everyone enjoy week 10. Uh, first rankings come out tomorrow. We will see what's what. And um, we'll check in with y'all for week uh, for week 10. We haven't played stock game in a while. Our stocks have probably gone to <laughs> shit. Stocks have gone to shit probably, I'm sure. <laughs> Everyone's lost. But um, until next week, man. Peace out. Take care, y'all. Peace.